Hi, I'm Mark Seitz, and I'm happy to talk to you today about hope after failure. We're going to look at two different people. Judas, who was a one of the 12 followers of Jesus, and Peter. And we're going to talk about how Judas uh, failed, and it was catastrophic, and how Peter failed, and he grew afterwards and was very successful. So uh, maybe I'll just pray for you as we and myself as we go into John chapter 13. Father, I pray that when we encounter failure that you would help us to realize that it doesn't have to be catastrophic. And even though we feel that it's uh, horrible when we fail ourselves, when we fail you or others, that we would realize that there's hope after failure. So help us with that important truth to forgive ourselves, to forgive others, and to still be open to what you're doing. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, listen, everybody, as a kind of a pretext, too, I know that it's, you know, it's a time of anxiety and it's a time of uncertainty, but it's always uh, certain to trust in the Lord. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the lessons that we learn from the scriptures are things that we can put into effect today. So I encourage you, if you find yourself uh, maybe not sleeping well or not eating well or uh, anxious about our uncertain times, <clears throat> be in the word. Be reading God's word um, anywhere in there. And so I'm going to read to you from John chapter 13 and starting in verse 21. This is after Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It says this in John 13, 21. After these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, you might think that Jesus always had it together, and he, he did. He had a certain dignity in everything that he did, even upon the cross, which was humiliating, absolutely humiliating. You know, a lot of people don't talk about it a whole lot. When we have pictures and sculptures of Jesus, he's wearing a, a loincloth, and not to make too much of it, but a big part of the shame of the cross was that he was totally exposed. He was totally naked. Um, it was a shameful thing that you and I would not want have done to us, and yet he was willing to do that in all of his humanity so that we would be redeemed in all of our shame in all of our hiddenness, in all of our um, every aspect of who we are. He did it for us. And so here he's being betrayed by Judas, and ultimately Judas you know, played a role in the story. But Jesus was troubled in his spirit, which means that he was anxious about this. Uh, he, was, he, he wished that this wasn't the case because he's telling his disciples, one of you will betray me. So the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved, and this is at the, the final supper. Uh, the one whom Jesus loved, that we think is John, who wrote John's gospel, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. They're all kind of laying on their sides with one elbow propping them up, and they're feeding their face with the other hand, you know, not to put it crudely, but they were having a good time. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So Peter's like, hey, John, you're right next to him. Ask him who's going to betray us. So that disciple, verse 25, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread 
when I have dipped it. So he dips the bread. It's a special thing to dip it in there and give it to uh, this honored person next to him. And it says when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So John is actually the only one to know who it is that's going to betray him because he's only talking to John here. Peter wants to know. It could have been actually that if Peter would have found out, Judas might not have made it out of the Last Supper alive because Peter was that zealous, right? But verse 27, after he had taken the morsel, this is Judas, Satan entered into him. That's pretty powerful right there. Uh, for Satan to enter into Judas. And that's what happened. Jesus said to him, what you, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, immediately he went out. It was night. Let me just go through the rest of these verses. So we've that's Judas. The second thing I kind of want you to see in these verses is the new commandment to love one another. Verse 31, I'm picking right up. When he'd gone out, that's Judas, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Where he's going, he's going to be back with the Father very soon, and these disciples aren't going there, at least not right away. Verse 34, this is very important. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we have love for one another, that is the proof that we are Jesus' disciples. I think of a scripture that Paul wrote to the Corinthians that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so being a Christian isn't about knowing all the Bible, um, although that's very good and positive, but you could know it all Maybe even like Judas, he, he, he probably, I mean, he, he had the wool pulled over the eyes of the other disciples for three years. He looked great on the outside, and yet inwardly he was a counterfeit disciple. But he couldn't fool Jesus. Jesus knew all along that he was going to betray him. Uh, so the second idea after Judas is that there's a new commandment to love one another. And then here's Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot come now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So here's the big idea. Judas is a counterfeit disciple. He looks good on the outside, but inwardly, he's a betrayer. And when he betrays Jesus, he essentially fulfills the idea that John is later going to write in 1 John 2.18 that says in 1 John 2.19, although verse 18 talks about this antichrist spirit, but John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us, 
For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So Judas wasn't really of the disciples in the long run because he betrayed Jesus and then he went out and killed himself. And he did regret what he did, but he never really repented to God. He just regretted what he did later. And he threw those pieces of silver back in the temple and went and hung himself. So he's a counterfeit disciple. What Peter is, is Peter had good intentions, but he was weak. He was wobbly. He wasn't strong in the moment, but he had good intentions at the core of who he was. And so at a heart level, he didn't premeditate to hurt Jesus. He was just weak in the moment. Whereas Judas premeditated in cold blood to betray the Savior. And he looked good on the outside, but on the inside, he was wicked. Whereas Peter was just kind of a doofus on the outside sometimes, put his foot in his mouth, was impetuous, you know, not patient. But on the inside, he had a good heart and he just needed to grow. So it's pretty common sense because we've all experienced people like that, that you think something's horrible and then you realize, well, they were just trying to do good in their own way. And you can forgive that. But when somebody's really savvy and suave and, you know, just has a silver tongue and yet is deceptive and treacherous and betrays you, then you know something more nefarious is happening. And that is what Judas had going. Uh, Ray Steadman, uh, he has a great paragraph. I want to read this to you in his little commentary on John's gospel. Ray Steadman says this about Judas. He says, it is amazing to contemplate all that Judas, all that Judas turned his back on just for the sake of 30 pieces of silver. He walked and talked with Jesus. He repeatedly heard the message of eternal life from the lips of the Savior himself. He saw the miracles. He even saw Lazarus raised from the dead. After all that, he still refused to open his life and surrender his will and make Jesus his Lord. Yet, Jesus was patient and compassionate right up to the end, to the very last moment. And it's funny that how their relationship ends, he's going to betray him with a kiss in the dark garden later. But how his relationship ends with Judas here is that he says, just go and do what you're going to do. Jesus knew what was going to happen. And then Judas slips out. Satan had been in him. And right up to the point where Satan enters, which we don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't think it's seen with the human eye. It's, it's a spiritual thing. He'd already been thieving from the group, you know. He, he was the treasurer, but he'd been dipping his, his hand in the money bag. So he'd opened himself up to the influence and control of Satan through little sins that piled up one upon another. And I think part of what he wanted to do is control Jesus. Now contrast that with Peter, who um, had mistakes and flaws and yet was ready to repent, ready to seek the Lord, and uh, and ultimately was just an amazing uh, disciple and apostle. It wasn't the last time he'd mess up, actually. Um, but I think this is kind of a litmus test. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, The saying is trustworthy for, and I want you to really think about this, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Pretty powerful. 
You, you die in Christ, believing in Christ, you're going to be raised and resurrected in a resurrection body. And, you know, to be absent from this world is to be present with the Lord. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So there might be difficulties that you have to persevere in this life, suffering, um, hardships, people not thinking the best about you. But yet, if you endure, you will reign with Christ. Now here's, it says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now that's what Peter did. He denied him, but he repented, which is incredible because we have an example of somebody denying Christ, but yet he didn't renounce Christ. He didn't go out and say, I absolutely, you know, renounce being, a, a, you know, ultimately he was weak in a moment, but he he wanted still to have the Lord in his life. I'm probably not saying it very good, but he uh, he denied the Lord and yet it was in the instant. His heart was was pure. I think we've all had instances like that as opposed to Judas that was, was really a slippery uh, character. So catch this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Well, who was faithless? Um, Peter was. He, he didn't, you know, he was weak in a moment. And yet, ultimately, according to this scripture, I would say that the final denial, where, where God has to deny those who renounce him, was Judas. That Judas couldn't, you know, he chose not to go back for repentance. And so, uh, let me just read it to you again, because scripture stands. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So I want you to know, brothers and sisters, if you're concerned about your relationship with the Lord, sometimes people feel like, have I committed the unforgivable sin? And they're concerned about it. The very concern that we have in our heart that we want to please the Lord um, is evidence that the Spirit's working in our life and he hasn't let go of us as his children. In fact, there's kind of a scandalous thing that I read from uh, Pope Francis in his book, I listened to it on tape, where he talked about how somebody came to confession to a priest, and we don't do that in our tradition, but it's interesting to hear stories like this. And the person, you know, the priest said, what do you have to confess? What are you sorry for? And the person said, I've, I've sinned a great many sins, but the problem is I'm not sorry for them. I would go do them again. And the priest said, well, why are you here? And he said, because I want to be sorry for those sins. I want to get to the point where I, I want to renounce them. So it requires some heart searching, some depth. When you look at Peter versus Judas, there's just a few Judases out there. And yet they are there. And if we don't recognize that in the church then we'll trust anybody. We'll be so open-minded that our brains fall out. And I kind of think, this is Mark's estimation, that there's a lot of Peters out there. There's a lot of people who speak before they think. And we can exercise grace and we can overlook those things. In Proverbs, in chapter 19, I think it is, I might have the address wrong, but it says that it is to the, the glory of a man to overlook an offense. There's different things that we can just simply uh, soak up with grace by overlooking 
immaturities and words that rub us wrong and things like that because God has called us to love one another. And so it's interesting because Jesus loved his own disciples to the end. And yet for the one who betrayed him, Jesus essentially said, get out. And then he told his true disciples, by this the whole world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And that actually has proven to be the, the biggest challenge over the last 2,000 years of history as Christians have actually struggled to love one another. But it is by our love that the world knows us. So during this time of anxiety, uncertainty, questioning, uh, and need, realize that God is with us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God will help you to love your neighbor, to love your family, to love God, to love yourself, and to be at peace because he has given us a peace that passes all understanding in these uncertain times. So meditate upon those two characters, Judas as well as Peter, and realize that there are Judases out there, but there is hope after your failure. Thank you. God bless you.